Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley. I'm the founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode was recorded in November 2019 at Microsoft Ignite in Orlando, Florida. It's a discussion with Greg McMurray. Hey, this is Christian Buckley with another Collab Talk podcast, and we're here at Microsoft Ignite 2019 in beautiful Orlando. Well, beautiful for people who like that heat and humidity. Uh, it's just something about you know, going outside, you feel like you have to go swimming at 7.30 in the morning because you're already covered in sweat <laughs> from walking from hotel to conference center. But I'm here with Greg. Greg, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, thanks, Christian. It's great to be here with you. Another great conference this year. Uh, like you said, my name is Greg McMurray. I uh, help run some music groups in Utah. We've been friends for a number of years. It's great to be on the show with you. And for those that are dialing in as well for the, to the podcast, as we recorded this at Microsoft Ignite, Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to our listeners. And to enter, you can visit at aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. And uh, you don't have to worry about uh, case sensitivity, but you have to uh, register to try and win before December 15th, 2019. Okay, with that. So, so Greg, so we'll, well, let's just jump right into it. You and I, we've been working together. We've been working on, so I'm trying to think which, we've got our SharePoint Saturday Utah coming up in February. That's right. So just a couple months away. And this is our ninth, this correct? This is the ninth year we're doing a SharePoint Saturday we had Saturday a gap of one year, though. Was it one year or two years? One year. I think it was just yeah. one. Yeah, so we're, uh, yeah, because it should be our 10th. Right. Uh, but because of that year, I don't know what happened. And I think there. SharePoint Saturdays as a whole is 11 years. So we were we were there pretty early on. It's going to be, t- yeah, 12th in January, 12th right. year. So, well, uh, so w- we have this thing called Mug It. Why don't you tell the audience yeah. what that is? Isn't that kind of a funny word? Like people hear it, they're like, am I being mugged? Like, like what's going on here, right? So what we did is we created uh, an acronym. It's actually the Microsoft User Group Utah. So that's why it sounds a little bit funny. but Mug Utah, maybe. Mug Utah might sound yeah. better than Mug It. Yeah. But really what we're trying to do is just kind of provide a roll-up or an umbrella where all of the different user groups that have kind of these related technologies can post what's going on. They can share, you know, um, basically let the members of their different groups know what is going on. You know, as we keep moving, you know, with the changes in technology, there's more and more overlap happening between all of these different groups. They're not just the silos that they were however many years ago. And so there's this need to be able to share that information. Well, this, th- there's kind of a lesson to be learned. I think best practices that can be shared, um, you know, for other areas, other user groups, because th- th- to kind of paint the picture here. So you're the, I guess, you tell more of your extended background because you're the president of the user group. Right. Of so multiple yeah, user we, groups. We did the short intro. We'll do the do long, some bragging here. We'll do some bragging. The longer <laughs> intro now. Uh, so I actually run three of the user groups in Utah. So I run the SharePoint user group, um, which we include Office 365. Greg, by the way, of. is single and has no friends. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. <laughs> On the friends part. Uh, yeah. But uh, I also run the uh, Dynamics CRM user group, mm-hmm. as well as we just launched a Power Apps and Flow user group. So, so you have uh, with with those different user groups. I guess where I was going there. For a lot of regions, they have a similar problem. Where so that we've had the SharePoint user group in Utah has been running for well over like over a decade. Right. I'm not sure when the beginnings was. I wasn't here in the state. Uh, when, when right. That we used there. to call it the Moss Pit. 
That's right. That's right. So I'm not sure when that started. Yeah, that was quite a, it had to be 10 years ago. Well, at least, yeah. Right. So with that, with that going on, but the, with the changes in technology, and so I think a lot of user groups that have been like single technology focused have seen kind of an ebb and flow of that, which is natural. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I remember uh, it, when I got involved with the Microsoft user group that was the Bay.net group in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is a massive user group, and they were having some problems. This is in the late 90s, early 2000s. They were having some problems where um, they, they were seeing these kind of breaks off, breakoffs into different areas, and of course they had people that were driving an hour to attend these right. massive meetings and stuff, and they also saw the need that for these specialized topics, kind of in the far reaches of the Bay Area, you'd see things popping up um, you know, all over the place that were kind of spinoffs of the Bay.net group. Well, in, in Utah, the problem was that you, we just saw dwindling numbers, and then you saw some other user groups popping up. And part of the problem is, and I think for, for me, the epiphany was you and I were having that conversation where we saw that there was another user group, which I think one of the leaders of that, the creators of the user group was a Microsoft person, but it was, um, was it the Microsoft Tech Talks that did a SharePoint talk topic? Yeah, they did. They had the uh, two premier field engineers come out and talk about search. Right. It, so they, it was, they did a SharePoint-centric topic and didn't reach out to the SharePoint user group. Right, we were both. Uh, we didn't know about to promote it. Yeah, <laughs> like not to promote it or to ask us to participate or or anything around it. It, it just it, it was one of those. For again, it was an epiphany for me of like, like there is a true disconnect. Right. What's happening here? And for me, that was the kind of the impetus for going and starting Mugget. Yeah, we really wanted to just be able to connect all of these different groups. You know, whether they're you know funded by Microsoft or not, whether they're community driven or not. You know, whatever they're doing, we all really share the same mission, the same goal of providing that kind of safe space where people can learn about technology, where they can network, where they can feel like they have a home. Well, it's, it, it, and so one of the benefits, we always talk about, you know, that, that cross-pollination between the different groups. And it's, um, and, and for our idea, and this is where I guess, again, the best practices for other you know, people listening in that are part of uh, the communities within their cities, their regions, um, it's not about taking over other user groups. It's just about, and sometimes there could be, you know, in large areas, there could be competing user right. groups. Uh, there are regions. Uh, Los Angeles for a while was like that. Sacramento had those, those issues um, where you had, uh, you know, well, one of the u two user groups in Sacramento thought it was a competition. <laughs> the other one did not, was trying to do the, let, let's go get along. And, but, uh, yeah, we'll go into the politics of some of those those regions, but... Um, well, and even along those lines in Utah, we have three .NET developer user groups, mm -hmm. and the primary reason the three exist is people aren't willing to drive more than maybe half hour, maybe an hour tops, and the way the geography of the Salt Lake Valley is, you know, the people on the very far north end are probably about an hour and a half away from the people on the very south end, so yeah. it's kind of necessitated in, in some regards having three but uh, at the right. same time, Make three is kind of a lot that focus on the same topic and in, trying in to that speakers region. and right. everything, right? Right, exactly. And, and splitting up uh, you know, uh, resources and if there's sponsorship. But for, for us, pulling together, and there was, if we both attended like the SQL Saturday event there in right. Utah. You, the two of us um, help run and organize and run the SharePoint Saturday event every year, um, is trying to make sure that those other groups that 
uh, you know, we aren't directly affiliated with are aware of, hey, these opportunities. And we're not, again, we're not trying to take away. It's actually an opportunity it for these other groups to come and promote the fact that they're doing these other events. That's something I, f I find myself constantly like preaching that. Right. You know. And more and more, these technologies overlap. So, you know, you look at the sequel with SQL Saturday, you know, I did help with the planning of that, um, but there's a lot of topics that are starting to overlap with say Power BI. Mm -hmm. You know, Power BI surfaces a bunch of other places too. You're gonna maybe use Power Apps to kind of put those forms over your database. You know, there's just all of this stuff that's just popping up where there's a huge benefit in being able to network across all of these different groups. You know, the, the first event that I went to that, uh, so it was a few years ago uh, down in South Africa, and I spent a bunch of time down there for a previous company and uh, loved the community down there. And so I've been to uh, the SharePoint Saturdays in Durban, Johannesburg, and Cape Town a, a few times and, uh, and other events down in country. But they, they, the community down there, so they basically joined forces. The SQL Saturday, SharePoint Saturday folks went and created something that they called Community Days. And it was huge. And because SQL Saturday in a lot of regions are much, much larger than the SharePoint Saturdays. Uh, and, and so uh, you know, Cape Town's a great example. So I think we had five, 600 people, easily five, 600 people. It's probably bigger than that. Um, and, and they were predominantly SQL people that they were at the event. So to be there as a SharePoint speaker and to go in there and talk about you know aspects of the you know the kind of the uh, uh, the IT pro topics on SharePoint. So a lot of people, the SQL Saturday attendees, SQL folks, I got this feedback. It was like you know, like I I just kind of was intrigued by the topic, and I realized that hey, this is stuff that I'm dealing with. So that cross pollination, you know, gave them an opportunity to kind of expand their field of view into other areas. And I thought the similar thing with attending SQL Saturday. I'm not a dev, and I would go into some of these other topics uh, and just to, and, and I'll be honest, I was glassy-eyed, you know, uh, uh, with some of the discussion. But there are quite a few things where I was like, you know, hey, I'm aware of that. I'm, uh, like, that, that's you know, great information. Sometimes you see right? what's possible, right? Correct. Like there's a great learning opportunity. And look at the Ignite conference. It's another example of kind of that same idea where we used to have tech ed. We used to have... Um, a separate SharePoint conference. We used to have all of these different events, and Microsoft said, hey, we are better, stronger in our numbers. Let's just put on one bigger conference and get everyone together. And, you know, I've loved this week being able to go to a bunch of different sessions, some that are not w within my core wheelhouse, just to see that same thing. Like, what is possible? Like, what, what does that bleeding edge look like now? It's, it's hard to get out of that comfort level and go and, and, and uh, most people just don't do that. Right. They will see something that they know is their area of focus. And, you know, unless you are someone who is... Uh, said, you know, I want to go and learn this new thing. I want to find out about this new technology. And that's a small percentage of people. Most people right. are saying, if it doesn't directly affect what I'm doing today, I mean, they tend to not go and, you know, kind of insert some themselves. So. Right, and investigate. So I remember years ago, I heard this uh, piece of advice that said, you know, back when we actually had brick and mortar bookstores, um, go to the magazine aisle and find something that you know absolutely nothing about pick it up and read it and you'll be a better person for it. You know, maybe you'll learn quilting or whatever, right? But it's the same idea. Like there's all this tech happening around you and you will become a better professional by just broadening your horizons just a little bit. You know, there's just on that note, there's a there's two magazines that I 
tend to read not every single article in them, but uh, you'll go through cover to cover and every single issue finds something new to go investigate. Wired for me, which covers hardware and software and tech and you know economics, it's like you know the it, it covers kind of everything right. within it's, it. It's got a pretty good broad base. It sometimes can be f funny. They they do a lot of uh, farce and you have other fun stuff within that. And then Fast Company as well mm -hmm. is another one. Now I was a huge fan. If you remember uh, Business 2.0 uh, right. magazine, you know which is which is gone, and and a few others that no longer exist. Um, but uh, but those two have survived and, and done very well. In fact, I just just renewed uh, my uh, my Wired subscription. But I'm I'm amazed sometimes, and I've got kind of a process for consuming information with all the travel that I do. Is I don't want to carry around these bulky magazines that I'm going through, but I'll so I'll as I go through and find things, I write in the margins of the article, whatever. But I'll rip out the articles and then throw away the body, you know, the husk. Right. Uh, of those things, so I just have a few loose pages, um, and then depending on what the topic is, and go and kind of enter my notes and find it digitally the article that I'm referencing, and put it all in OneNote, and so that's how I'll add to for content for blogging and and other things. But it's uh, so I have just this kind of process first, you know, scan through the magazine, go cover to cover, what is relevant within it, what's interesting dog-ear the pages, um, later rip out the pages right in the right. margins, you know. So it's, I know it people is like, why don't you just subscribe to the digital version of it? Because I'm still that old school guy I like to read on paper and books. So. Right, tear it out. Well, so what else is going on around around Mugget? So let's, why don't you walk through kind of what we're doing, what we're thinking yeah, there. Yeah, let me, we'll start with just a little bit of a history lesson and kind yeah. of move towards the future. You know, really, like you mentioned, this started with the SharePoint and Office 365. I thought where you're going like real history and no, the no, no. start of the country or like <laughs> in the beginning and there in was the light and dark. Yeah, okay. The universe began expanding and cooling. And there was SharePoint. <laughs> and there was SharePoint. <laughs> and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really just started, you know, both of us kind of have our feet firmly in that camp and so we started there and uh you know decided like hey we need to reach out and so we started to reach out to a bunch of the other user groups you know it was easy because you know i helped lead and drive some of the information there and we started that cross promotion and you know i really took it upon myself saying you know what i'm going to make the time i'm going to give that sacrifice and i'm going to go attend these other user groups and get to know the leadership get to know their members um, I used to have a rule that I wouldn't speak at their user group unless I had attended at least once. That's a and, good rule. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of get a feel for it. You know, yep. it's kind of like read the room, right? Right. You got to understand kind of who their audience is and what they're um, about and what they're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so that probably took about a year to cover the, you know, 13 to 15 user groups that we have in Utah that are mm -hmm. Microsoft focused. Um, I did reach out to other groups as well that were just nearby, like the R user group. Um, they mm -hmm. do statistical analysis stuff. Very interesting. Once again, it's picking up a different magazine from that, right. that rack, right? Well, as you know, like, and I also reached out to like the Silicon Slopes exactly. folks about their various groups, and and you've got co-working locations which have other kind of you know interest groups and things that exactly. may not be formal user groups, but you have right. these other constituencies where they're doing things where occasionally it can touch on, in our case, Microsoft technologies yeah. that might and be I wanted, interested. I wanted to kind of uh, touch on that Silicon Slopes one because I think that's one of our really great success stories is, uh, you know, having reached out with them, connected them with Microsoft, Microsoft was able to come, you know, be part of that event 
as well as uh, we were given a block of free tickets. And that was such a great opportunity to go talk to those leaders and say, hey, we were given a bunch of free tickets from Microsoft. We want to share them with all of the Microsoft user groups. And the response to that, I mean, like people were like genuinely touched. They couldn't believe we were doing it. They're like, how did you guys even pull this off and put this together? For people to know what we're talking about. So uh, Silicon Slopes is a nonprofit organization that is and I had to describe it. It's a community building. It's it's uh, in the technology, the startup world. Right. Um, and so that was it was initial funding came from the our local unicorns. So Pluralsight, um, Inside Sales, um, who else? Domo. The, uh, who was just acquired by SAP? The uh, uh, oh oh uh, um, the marketing guys. Yeah. Uh, we, we should know this. Know. We shouldn't be blanking <laughs> we should on roll it. Up. Anyway, so they put put together this this organization, but Silicon Slopes, of course, you know, play off of Silicon Valley, but they put on an annual event. They've done it three years in a row now, right. called Silicon Slopes Tech Summit. There were this this year it keeps, it keeps growing, um, twenty one thousand attendees. Yeah, I don't know how many more registrations of people that didn't show. Um, it looked and felt like 21,000 people. It did. They really there. filled up the conference. Uh, the, uh, yeah, they're Salt in Salt Palace. Lake City, the Salt Palace. They filled and it so up pretty well. I and think my, my understanding is they're shooting for 30,000 people. So Microsoft, to come in and make a major investment and be one of the uh, uh, title sponsors of the event this year for the first time, and they've signed on for multiple years, so excited to see them again this right. next year. And so. they've, uh, three years ago, the attendance was about five. 5,000 yeah. and then 10 and then now 20. They're, they're trying to double it basically every year. Right. So, And it's just really had explosive growth. It's a great one to kind of partner with in the area and say, hey, we want to help you and can you help us? You know, we're going to do that cross-pollination and sharing. You know, not everyone's going to be interested in the same tech, and that's all right. We just want to help get the message out there. Well, and part of it, too, and, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, one of, I've kind of taken it upon my, myself, like what I'm trying to do and help out as a, an MVP and regional director for Microsoft is just, and saying that, hey, you know, and being born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and seeing uh, a lot of the not-so-friendly-to-Microsoft atmosphere of some right. of those tech companies, and obviously because of who came out of that, started to see some of that same direction where you have, um, and it, which is incredible because um, every major university in Utah, there's Office 365 everywhere. They have full yep. licensing there. And yet, as I've worked with uh, grad students that I leverage for research um, projects, and they have, it actually talking about, we're doing this research project, and Microsoft is one of the sponsors for this research project, and they'll share things with me in Google Docs. I'll be like, folks, you can't, do this for this project, we're doing research for Microsoft right. on Microsoft-related topics, technologies, and we're going to work with these other tools. And they're like, oh, we weren't aware that we had these. Just because they're they're used to, you know, growing up using these, the, the Google Docs free tools. Right. And so I saw some of that that direction, and, and, uh, and I said, you know, I need to do what I can to help get Microsoft focus and Microsoft partners and stuff to come focus more on on Utah uh, and and so that was where you know uh, part of my reasoning for getting really uh, you know involved with the user groups is to help kind of build that up within the region uh, and and mug it was just kind of a natural step for right. that as well again about visibility cross-pollination 
helps the user groups. It helps the you know all of the vendors um, visibility for the vendors that are you know in and outside of of Utah, uh, so that uh, they can you know get in touch with potential customers and with help with education. Kind of all those same reasons. Um, because promotion is hard. It is, and you know, one of the other things we're trying to do right now is have kind of a larger event each quarter. So, you know, earlier this year we did SharePoint Saturday, and then in the spring we had um, the Azure Boot Camp. Yep. That uh, you know, Microsoft was really gracious to help sponsor that. And the Windows and the Insider Dev Tour yep. that we did in June, and uh, you know, then we've been talking about an Office 365 Developer Boot Camp. We did one last year as well. So, you know, we're trying to do some of these larger events that are going to attract a different audience that maybe doesn't normally go to the user group, um, but you know, they can make that time and that justification, saying, "Hey, I'm getting really high quality training." You know, in the case of the Office 365 Developer Boot Camp. You know, those are training materials that are created by, you know, MVPs and other Microsoft people and then just delivered locally um, so you know you're getting really great stuff. So, I mean, you've been involved with the, the user groups for years. I mean, what do you see as kind of the, like the lessons learned? What's been the hardest parts about making, keeping the user groups running? You know, I think one of the and biggest... And not that you've been successful in every one of them, too. Like, right. So talk about, talk about the things like what, you know, what, what's been that, that broader experience? Yeah, so, you know, let, let's be positive first. Sure. Huge, huge success <laughs> story, right? Like yes. uh, the Power Apps and uh, Flow user group. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm getting chills on my arms just thinking about, Ooh, you know, it, how awesome it was. Maybe that's yeah. the error that just kicked on. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you know, we reached out. So rewind the clock a little bit back to our Insider Dev Tour event. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of my good friends was uh, sitting in the audience. He is a developer and was kind of participating. And it was about lunchtime. And my uh, friend Corey Rands was presenting on stage. She's a great developer. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this giraffe came walking out, you know, into the audience. And people were like, what on earth is going on? But it was Jerry. We named our giraffe Jerry. It's great, that, you, it's great giraffe, that you're talking right? about Jerry in the third person there. Really? You know, should I be talking about him in the first person? <laughs> yeah, so Greg was wearing a giraffe outfit. That's what he's trying to say yeah, here. that's what yeah. I'm trying to yeah. say. So <laughs> Greg slash Jerry the giraffe. And, uh, you know, kind of struck everybody. It was fun, yeah. you know, but it was to announce lunch and the giraffe was munching on the plants. It was slightly uncomfortable. It was I'll just, I'll say that. <laughs> the suit was kind of itchy. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, my friend was like, hey, I really want to put on a, a Power Apps user group. We've been talking to a couple of other companies. We've got some great demos we want to show. And, you know, immediately that clicked with me because the things that we see are some of the most successful things at the user groups. And this is regardless of the technology, mm -hmm. is if you're showing it in a real world use case. Somebody has oh, built something for always. their company. Yeah. Bar none. That is the most powerful, the best thing. And so, you know, we did some talking. They're like, we don't know how to organize this. We don't know how to market it. We don't know how to do all these things. Can you help us with that? And so mm -hmm. I kind of stepped in, helped them out. And uh, it was phenomenal. We spent two hours. We covered five different power apps. Uh, some of them had some flows attached to them. And uh, it was really just amazing. And our attendance numbers were easily two to five X what we would get at any the other normal. user group. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's a newer technology. There's a lot of interest. You know, yeah. there's, there's going to be pluses that happen. But at the same time, it clearly showed, like, hey, the needle is moving. There are people right. that are interested in this. 
you know, the average age in the audience was another really interesting metric to look at. Hmm. Uh, it was much younger than a lot of the other events that we go to. Um, and diversity was better too. Like there was a more diverse crowd present. So I look at some of those metrics that we just kind of internally keep an eye on and I was just so thrilled to see that happen. On the other side of the coin, you know, our SharePoint user group, it was really originally founded around developers. It was those really, right. you know, tech Well, most user groups were, admins. in fact. A decade ago, SQL Saturday, SharePoint Saturday was predominantly developer, like the largest right. chunk of that, IT pro after that, the admins. Exactly. And then you had some you business users. You might have a users. power user or somebody right. that was kind of there that was just Right, really it was more on the power user it. versus, I, and I differentiate power user, the, the people that are, so they're users of the technology, but they're tinkering, they're doing some other exactly. things, but they don't have formal training and they're not an admin, versus the business users, which are, I use Microsoft Office right. and I I'm, consume you know, it. right, correct. Yeah, and we've seen a big shift over the years where we get very few devs out. Some are you know, hardcore, they still come, uh, but by and large it has really shifted to that business user that's looking for a couple of things. One, they're looking for some semblance of training. They want to learn more about the product. They want to learn more about how to use it. Um, they also come with questions, which is really great. You've got a room full of experts and consultants. And uh, a lot of times you can give them kind of a short answer, but it's like, hey, this is a great opportunity for those local consultancies to engage saying, hey, you know, yeah, this is a problem, but let's talk about it. Let's, you know, engage. Let's help build a solution that's going to work for you long term. Part, part of the shift, too, is, is, which is interesting, this is just a top, another topic for another day, but is the fact that most of the technology, part of this shift, those do, the fact that the OEMs, like Microsoft, are developing more, uh, more, their, more of their focus is on developing power user and IT pro solutions so that you don't, it doesn't require a developer, a formal dev, right. to go in and build those things. So that's accelerated some of that shift, as well as the maturity of those topics where you, you are starting to see, like SharePoint's been out for a couple of years now. <laughs> and so you have the business user to power user and IT pros that are largely working that space. And the technology has matured to a place where um, most of the like, new features that come out, it's more about configuration than it is development customization um, for those things. So you don't need a dev for the majority of that activity. But even the newer technologies, the, so when, if you're talking about whether it's PowerShell or Power Apps, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it, it's, they're directed more towards the, uh, you know, the IT pro and those power users. Funny how that works with that right. name, power user. Um, and, and so it's not a surprise that you see the crowd and the interest shifting to those, those topics. And it's really you know, just heartwarming to see that it's being opened up. Like you know, it's for so long, you know, whether it was a, a technical bar or whatever it was, you know, there were a lot of people that couldn't build the solutions they had in their minds. Like they had this vision of what needed to happen and they're like, great, well I gotta go talk to the IT guys and you know, slide pizza under the doors. We, we used to talk about first, that, like right? I, I know enough to do a whole lot of damage and it's almost like that the solutions are being built in a way that with my, the business knowledge that I have, which a business user and, and a, a power user, they're, they just know more about the business side because that's they own that, they the business rules. Um, and now they've got, a, with a little bit of knowledge, they can go and do some really powerful things. And what's different is that it can be done in kind of a secure, way. sandboxed way. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, how many people get an email in, I'll say every day, it might be in the morning, whatever, that requires some action on their part? 
well, perfect. You know, you can automate that now. You know, maybe you can't automate the whole thing, but I bet you can automate large parts of it. And uh, that's a great productivity win and really frees you up to do probably more important work than whatever that, you know, grunt labor manual step was mm -hmm. to do it. So I, I just look at that and I'm like, there's a reason that businesses are able to accelerate and transform. It's because they're being empowered at all levels to do these sorts of activities. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I use as an example, um, so we have the smart speakers, smart devices all over the place. So I have, you know, I, I'm, I've got an iPhone, so I have Siri on my phone. I have uh, a, 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 the uh, Alexa. I've got my, my Echo device uh, in my, my office at home. Uh, and so one of the first things that I did is I went and... Uh, uh, so I leveraged a third-party service, so like if this, then that, right. I, you know, uh, IFTTT, and went and built, I went and changed my default uh, task management, my lists for both of those things, connected it to Microsoft To Do. Uh, and so you could do that with both of those. So now when I'm driving and I can leverage Siri, when I'm at home in the home office, I leverage Alexa. And I can say, hey, s assign a task, and it'll be done to the to-do, and then it'll automatically show up within my to-do list on my phone. Yeah. And so, you know, things like that, I mean, that's, that's it, it, you know, it, it's just incredible that it's got, it's become that easy. I didn't need a, any development. Yeah. It was just, it's fairly simple. A little bit of knowledge of where to go to connect those things, and they, but there are videos, there are walkthroughs, there are blog posts on how to do all of these different things. And you're seeing more and more that type of capability where, you know, 10 years ago, I would have to go and talk to a dev friend to go and make it all happen, make right. the magic happen for me. If it was even possible, right? If it I was mean, possible. Think about right. pieces of that, like voice recognition just were not that good, right? Right. So, yeah, big changes. You know, one other thing we're seeing with the user groups that that kind of reminded me was uh, the different distribution channels. So, one of the things we've tried to do for the last year or so was to be able to record our user group sessions. Mm -hmm. The quality is uh, sometimes anywhere from uh, poor to bad. Yeah, but uh, it's been a struggle. There's there's always like that uh, delay in the start to see yep. is it is it working? You know, is and this on? Can you see my screen? Yep. And we try yeah. to do a little bit of cleanup and other things, but uh, we host those on our YouTube channel. And uh, you know, I don't. I get in there about once a month to post them. I should probably watch the numbers a little more closely. But instead of having reach to maybe 50 people that attend the user group, you know, suddenly you're in the hundreds or even thousands as, you know, time marches forward where people go back and they watch the episode. Maybe they watch just a part of it for, you know, what they remembered or somebody tells them something about it or it gets socialized or whatever. But, you know, having that long tail and kind of be able to reach out, like that's been really valuable for a lot of people to be able to go back and, and see that information too. Just kind of note to ourselves is, uh, we really need to go and create a Mugget channel in YouTube and, uh, and and pull those together, or at least playlists or something from the various right. user groups for those that are recording. Because it's just, an, it is another value. We see the you know, increase in, there was a lot of discussion. Well, actually, let me back up. Before say, saying that we, you spend a lot of time building these assets, these video assets out on a third-party platform or whatever it is, um, I, I always say, put the content where people are. Right. Uh, and so while I'd love to be able to leverage for Microsoft user groups, all Microsoft technology for doing that, the reality is that the audiences are not in you know, those places to right. consume that video content broadly in the community. They're out on uh, YouTube or Facebook. Exactly. And so they need to be in those places. Um, 
but I, I think it would be great to be able to do like we're doing with on Meetup, which is the tool that we're using to uh, uh, provide one place that you can go and subscribe to and then see the events across all these various user groups. Again, we are not trying to, with, with the Mugget push, take over these other user groups and run them for them. No, we're just offering support. Except, except you, Greg, you know, uh, uh, being I, president of three of them. I might have my own <laughs> evil plans. <laughs> it's part of the world domination. Uh, besides, bes besides that, I mean, that was out of, was, we've talked about it, out of necessity and because we suckered Greg into uh, um, putting his name in the hat for the SharePoint uh, user group president and then voted you in. You had no choice. I, it was, uh, yeah, it was an obligation. Thank yes, you. that's right. You're welcome. Um, better you than me. Uh, no, so with all that, uh, it would be great to have that centralized resource and start doing that and leverage that content more. But part of the problem is also there, there's a lot of discussion around live event versus recorded. Because it's easy to say, well, if it's difficult for everybody physically to be there, let's just move everything to digital. And there's some right. regions that have done that. And they, they brag, hey, we've seen our numbers go up. Yeah, but how many... There's things that you lose. Right, you, you don't have the same level of engagement. Um, I personally think more so than the technical content, that in-person networking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you sit down next to somebody, you know, you talk to them, you know, how's the family, what's ever, you know, going on, how's the job, and maybe you're splitting a pizza. There is something really powerful about that, about yeah. building a relationship and, you know, having that person as a resource that you can then later maybe email or reach out on LinkedIn or whatever and say, hey, I'm having this problem. I remember the user group, you know, somebody talked about right. it. Who was that? Can you right. help me figure this out? Um, so, you know, certainly in an online setting, you lose a lot of that interaction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some platforms are better than others that may be interacting with the presenter. You know, you can ask a mm -hmm. question or raise your hand or something, but rarely do you really get to interact with the other attendees. Right. Um, and even the ones that you do, like if you're watching, say, a YouTube live stream, you know, those comments uh, more often than not are just a stream of nonsense. You know, people are putting out emojis or, you know, trying to get their name or sometimes even just advertising as it scrolls by. Right. Um, so I don't know what the answer is there, but there's definitely a difference. And, uh, you know, one of the other things we're doing as part of the Mugget is uh, virtual user groups. We've been yep. trying to do that uh, for the last, what, maybe 18 months or so. Right. And uh, some know, have been very well attended. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. And we've got some great speakers. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to get great speakers because they don't have to travel. It's just like, hey, book out about an hour of your time and, uh, you know, come give but, a session. But see, I, I, I look at that as um, and not as a replacement no. of it's in, in addition it's to another it's another channel. Right, and and for in some ways that is a look for for those that are like the virtual user group. Yes, it's a it's a webinar, you know, that is hosted by sponsored by you know the user group there, and it's we're it, but it allows us to bring in you know people that just aren't able to great speakers on on uh, you know very relevant topics to be able to participate and kind of give back to the community that don't have the ability to fly in and and be at a user group in in Utah. It helps raise awareness. It helps uh, raise awareness within the community of people might see if they're searching on a specific topic. Like we had Laura Rogers, right? Um, you know, and, and talking about who who has a long history of like Infopath and those things. So she's talking about you know Power Apps and Flow and a bunch of the automation. And so that one was very well attended. So a lot of views of that. We posted that out to YouTube. Uh, and so you might have people that are going and searching and follow Laura or and be aware of Laura or follow uh, you know just the, the the topics those threads 
then suddenly became aware of the user group. So from a marketing standpoint, it just, it helps us kind of maintain or build that mo momentum. Right, we want to so. have as large a presence as we can, obviously. We want people to be aware of our mission and what we're trying to do. And whether that's you know the in-person groups, the virtual, the larger events, mm -hmm. you know, we, we really just want to get the message out there and we want to support all of the groups that are trying to do the same sorts of things. It's uh so I keep keep going back to uh, you know, like what else, what other takeaways for people that are starting up user groups or or are struggling that they're just you know, because we've had these same struggles within Utah of you know, we have the same 20, 25 people that are showing up each month, but we're, and we see a few new faces, and there's a few different, there's the same people that show up every month, and the, the, the diehards, the people that have been involved for a while that see the value in, in participating, and then we, we see kind of a rotation of new faces that come in. How do we build that up? Other, other guidance on that? I mean, we've just yeah. talked about a few things that we're doing, right? but other anything else? So the thing that I love most about that, Christian, is when I go to these different user groups and I see somebody I've already met and know there as well. And it like totally validates what we're trying to do because there's that cross-pollination that is already happening and it justifies like, yes, we are doing, we are doing the right thing here. Mm -hmm. You know, the takeaways are how do we kind of keep promoting that? How do we keep, you know, giving maybe other regions the same kind of outlook we do. Uh, I look at a similar to like digital transformation of companies. Mm -hmm. um, some don't realize they need to, some maybe don't want to or whatever, mm -hmm. but the train has left the station. Like I think the days of siloed user groups are, uh, are kind of numbered. You know, you can still have your silo, there's going to be people that are going to be interested in that and only that, uh, but you really need to be reaching out to the other groups to help bolster your own numbers as well as give your members you know the opportunity to learn something maybe a little bit different that will help them in their careers yeah that's uh, again i go as a marketing guy i mean that makes complete sense you need to constantly be polling your members you know what right. do you need to know about where where do you have where do we have gaps here what what's new that's been talked about that really interests you and it's not that you're I mean, look there are there are topics which are sometimes maybe it's it's not as well attended as last month's this really exciting you know power apps you know topic right. yet there's this new thing that came out and it's important that we cover for the smaller subset of people so I, I think you should listen to and be informed by the, that feedback, um, but have a variety of topics. And some are going to bring in less, but are equally important. They're very important to a smaller crowd of people. Right. Still need to do those types of things and have a variety yeah. of options there. But it's a, I mean, I always think of it as, uh, uh, you know, like support the community. Sometimes I, I, I look, it's like, I'm not really interested in this topic, but I'll dial in to that anyway, just because, you know, hey, wow, Again, except getting out of the comfort zone, you know, I, I didn't know about that or, you know, I didn't think I'd be interested in this topic, but actually there's some stuff that I can use from that. And so I'm always surprised by that as I, you know, go and attend other sessions or right. attend di different user groups there. So Yeah, and even looking just, uh, you know, kind of the last two years of topics we've had at the uh, SharePoint and Office 365 user group. Uh, last year, we tried to rotate between the business user, the IT pro, and the developer. Basically, mm -hmm. you know, one of those each month, you'd get four of those sessions each year. This year, we'll only have two developer sessions. We've had one earlier, and we're going to have one in December. 
Um, and we will probably have about six from the Power Platform family and how they're interacting with SharePoint and Office 365. So even just as far as the content that both people are interested in, as well as what people are interested in presenting on, um, we, we've seen a big switch there. Well, yeah, but plus we have started now where we're, uh, we are doing the global Azure bootcamp, the Windows Dev bootcamp, and the Microsoft 365 uh, uh, what is that one? Is the boot, they're all boot camps. Well, of we have the source. Insider Dev Tour. Insider well. Dev Tour, and then the Microsoft 365 you know, boot camps right. that we're going to do next year. Um, and so those are developer focused. Others, anyone's right. you know, welcome to but attend. But we've really those. shifted the focus from some of the user groups to those more you know larger dev dev right. focused events. You know, and and the good thing about that too is that developer topics can be you know, more difficult to go and kind of put on successfully. I mean, I think of user groups where we struggle with the technology, you know, to display or to stream right. or all those kinds of things where they were demo set, you know, heavy developer-centric topics around that. And part of, you know, Microsoft wanting to get more packaged and, uh, and make it easier to cover these dev topics have done a tremendous job through these boot camps, through right. these events, in packaging up these, uh, you know, through GitHub making all of the parts so that the demos are packaged and ready to go. Right. You have the virtual environments, they've made it very easy. It's populated with all this, you know, as you know, that the, the, to have a VM, to have this virtual environment, that's not the hard part. To have it populated with useful data that you can Correct. adequately demo and show that's the hard part. Well, and Microsoft just made a change too to the um, Office 365 developer subscriptions where they're now giving E5 licenses. So there's really no features that are not unlocked that you need to go build against. I mean, it's it's really a great You just time. have to be careful when you're demoing all that cool stuff and people get excited and be like, oh wait, <laughs> oh, is that an A3 or E5 or what do I need for that? Exactly. You have to be clear on that. Well, the other thing too, and I, w I mentioned this to somebody yesterday, I said, you know, we had a couple events where we actually worked with the Microsoft Store up in Salt Lake City that came down yeah. and provided some hardware. And I know that there was a group out of Redmond that used to do this that would say, um, hey, if there's enough advance notice and you're doing a larger event, that Microsoft could actually provide devices, like send out surfaces that, so you actually have a place to go and do like a hands-on lab and, right. and other things. So there are a lot of resources. There are a lot of resources. And I think some of it is just figuring out who those people are to talk to and making those connections, um, just like with the Microsoft Tech Talks. Um, you know, the guys that kind of run that, I was able to reach out to them on LinkedIn, build that relationship and say, hey, whenever you're doing an event in Salt Lake City, loop us in, make sure, and you know, sure enough, they've got an event going on in Salt Lake City right now today, while we're here in Orlando, um, but we're helping promote it regardless, because we have that connection built now. What event is going on while it's It's one of the tech on. talks, it's the, yeah. um, I think it's a PowerShell something or other. Okay. I should probably know that and not just kind of have this nebulous, well, I think it's, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's going on at the Microsoft uh, office in Lehigh, Utah right now. So what else, uh, so so thinking about this month, we come back from this, this event. Yep. So what's kind of uh, your, your plans? I think, so what, how are you, uh, what's your participation level in community activities? What's happening post-Ignite 
um, to what you're bringing back to those user groups? Right, so the, the next two big ones that we have coming up are the uh, Power Apps and Flow user group. We're going to do another meeting on November 21st, huh? and uh, it's going to have a big focus on the integration between Power Apps and Power BI. Huh? Um, you know, a success story there is we polled our attendees and said, hey, clearly there's a lot of interest in this topic, you know, help us understand what are the sorts of things that you would like to see that you'd like to understand better and overwhelmingly the top ask was you know how it works with power bi so we're uh, we're finalizing that agenda i'm going to be walking through some demos that uh, like charles sterling and some other people from microsoft have really kind of pushed over the last year with those features and uh, we're going to be showing that integration um, into next year we're also going to be having like donna sarkar we've talked to come yep. out and speak um, she's really excited. She loved hearing the story of our success in Utah. I uh, gave me a whole bunch of stickers that we can hand out. A lot of our local people were able to meet her as well. So really just a lot of momentum coming out of Ignite around that. And then in December, we're going to be doing uh, the Office 365 and SharePoint user group. And we're going to be talking about the SharePoint framework. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to be really dev heavy. It's going to be showing hey, you know what, maybe you've got your dev, maybe you even looked at the Hello World examples for the web parts, but we're going to go beyond that. We want you to help understand, hey, I want to be able to add something to the header, or I want to be able to bring this into Teams, or, you know, as just announced here at Ignite, I want to bring this into Outlook. Those are the sorts of things that we're going to be looking at, more of the you know, art of the possible rather than, you know, splashing up a, a screen full of code. You know, I've done those presentations before and everybody is just down working on their laptops and uh, right. incredibly hard to present that sort of material. So we're trying to steer a little bit away from that and just help people understand what's possible with SharePoint Framework. What are the places where it can extend and how it can help you create those business solutions you need. Very cool. And one other thing, I don't know if you have it on your calendar. So on the 27th of the November, we're doing kind of a takeaways from Microsoft Ignite 2019 for the Collabtop Tweet Jam. So that's something oh, I... I've been participating in those pretty yep. regularly, so yeah. yeah we just need to get add you to the panel there. So that's at uh, uh, 9 a.m. Uh, uh, Pacific, uh, noon Eastern, on the 27th of November, 2019. And uh, you just find that by going on to Twitter, whatever Twitter platform you want to use. Uh, I use Hootsuite, but uh, you could just go out on, on the web to Twitter and then follow along with the hashtag collab talk. And it's uh, just that easy. It's just that easy. It's just one hour. It's uh, I think we had some like 2.3 million impressions in right. one hour. Yeah. Reached like 220,000 profiles. So it's uh, it's always incredible that a one hour discussion online. I get tons of value out of those oh, yeah. discussions. So. And, you know, I try to say something insightful, but if I can make Christian laugh, then I feel like my job has been done that day. All you need to do is wear the giraffe outfit and snap, do a selfie, and send that in the midst of that tweet jam. And, oh, yeah, you, know, you, you know, I'm not sure that's the identity <laughs> I want to promote or not, but it, it's yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Greg, really appreciate your, your time today, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, the, the two days more of Ignite. Yeah, absolutely, Christian. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.